Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 19. If you found it, say amen. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. This is a series that we're doing on the fruit of the Spirit. We're not, we haven't quite got to the fruit of the Spirit yet, but, uh, but we are we are, are getting closer. Right before Paul spoke about the fruit of the Spirit, he talked about the works of the flesh. And so we want to talk about this list, this list of things that Paul spoke about as the works of the flesh. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the lesson that we learn. I praise you, God, for your people, for your church. I pray, God, that you touch our children's classes, youth classes, and grow classes. And this class tonight, Lord, I pray that you would give your, your word and anointing to, to our ears to hear it, to apply it, to grow. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. One of the most important things that is required to do accurate Bible study is to learn how to study a Bible verse and a passage in its context. There's been a lot of preachers get in trouble by trying to pull a message out of one phrase in the Bible and not realizing that they, the way they're preaching it is not the way the Bible teaches it. And so we want to look at the Bible in context. If we don't pay attention to the context of a passage of Scripture, then we'll misapply it. It leads to false doctrine. Or you'll miss, if, if not false doctrine, you can miss some of what is very important portions of that lesson. One of my favorite Bible scholars is a man by the name of Craig Keener. Uh, he wrote a commentary on Acts that's 4,500 pages. He's, it's, uh, it's four volumes that are about that thick each. It's, it's probably my four favorite books in my office, to be honest with you, besides the Bible. But he said this, and I quote, we cannot even pretend to make sense of most verses without reading their context. Isolating scriptures from their context disrespects the authority of Scripture. Preaching and teaching the Bible in its original context explains the Bible accurately. This is an important point in the study of the fruit of the Spirit because if we don't understand the context, we won't really understand the entire message of this passage. And so if we don't look at context, then we think that all Paul is doing is giving a list of things we should not do and a list of things we should do. And that is part of it, but that's not the only part of the message. 
to really understand the passage of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, we need to look ahead and behind. Let's see what comes before that passage, and let's see what comes after it. Galatians 5, 13, it's in 5, 13 through 15. For brethren, you have not been called unto, you have been called unto liberty. Let me restart that. Brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Paul reminds them that they've been set free from sin. They've been set free from bondage. He said, but don't use your freedom as an occasion to the flesh. Don't use your freedom to give your flesh the ability just to live however you want to live. And then he throws in this phrase, but by love serve one another. Paul's goal is not just an individual goal. Paul's goal also wants us to look at how these things on these two lists affect our life as a church. What Paul is trying to teach is every individual in the church should always consider how their actions, their attitude, their work, their, their, their involvement, everything that I do affects my church community. How do my actions, how does the way I live my life serve one another? Paul said, you can do whatever you want. You've been given liberty, but you need to be careful that you don't give your flesh too much leeway. He said, but you need to consider how by love we serve one another. Let's go to the very next verse, verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Paul said, when you get all the way down to it, this is not just about me. This is about my neighbor as well. And then he, he says all the law. Now, this almost sounds, this, now, now, don't, don't cut out on me too quick here, but this almost sounds like false doctrine. Because Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, we're not going to go there, I'll summarize it. He said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And then he said, and the second commandment is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus said. The greatest commandment, love the Lord with everything you've got. The second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. So what is Paul trying to say? When Paul says that all the law is fulfilled in this one thing, love your neighbor as yourself. What Paul is saying is you cannot really love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind without considering how your life affects your neighbor. When it comes down to it, the way, one of the ways that we show God that we love him is by how we treat his people, our neighbor, our church family. And so Paul is 
Paul is, is dealing with this conflict in the church at Galatians. We, we spent the whole week last week talking about, about the conflict that Paul was dealing with. And when it boiled down to it, it boiled down to a conflict between the flesh and the spirit. And Paul said, here's the problem, is that we don't often consider enough how the way that we live affects our church family. Can I tell you that when people start to backslide, one of the first things they say is, I can do what I want. It's my life. Paul says you shouldn't use the occasion of the flesh like that. He said, don't give your flesh an occasion, but rather serve one another with love because all the law comes down. It's fulfilled when we love our neighbor as ourself. That word fulfilled teaches that you can't really fulfill loving the Lord if you don't consider your neighbor, your church community. Let's go to the very next verse, verse number 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. He talked about how church people interact with each other. Bite and devour like animals biting and devouring, talking and fussing with each other. He said if you allow yourself to bite and devour one another, you're going to consume one another, destroy one another. And so these are the three verses directly before he gives the list of the works of the flesh and then the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Now let's look at the verse that ends this chapter. We're going to skip down to Galatians 5.26. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Again, he comes down and he closes this chapter dealing with the root of disunity. When he gets right down to it, it's people being desirous of vain glory. In other words, wanting glory or selfish motives. Desiring glory, status, prominence. Leading to discord. And he says this, provoking one another, envying one another. Jealousy between people in the body. So when you look at the bookends, we're talking about context. Paul starts before this list by saying you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful because you have to consider your neighbor when you consider how you're going to live. If you're going to follow after the flesh and you're going to do the works of the flesh, just remember it affects your church family. It affects the people in your church, in your community. He said, so you got to be careful. You got to consider. You got to think about your neighbor because you can't really love God and then do things that hurt your church, brother and sister. Amen. He says, if you bite and devour one another, you'll consume each other. And then he ends the chapter by saying, You've, again, he starts dealing with issues that talk about community, how we deal one with another, vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. 
Paul does not see the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit as only affecting the individual. But the true concern Paul has is how individuals' actions affect the communal body of the church. Remember, now, now if you weren't here last week or if you were and you forgot, um, the way my memory is, I, I, can't really, I can't really get on people for forgetting too much what I preach because sometimes I forget what I preach. The only thing is I have a thing in my phone I can go back and look it up. Last Wednesday night, we talked about the conflict. The book of Galatians is written to a church in conflict. A church that were, was having issues. They, were, they had one group that thought it needed to be this way and one group that thought it needed to be this way. And this group thought they needed to go back and basically convert to, to Jewish religion along with the Holy Ghost. And this group was resisting and and, and this conflict in the church had left a residual, uh, you know, once people get used to fighting, sometimes it's hard to get them out of the habit of fighting. And so Paul sees this church in conflict, and he's writing this letter, and he's, he's trying to get them. You have to think that the things you do don't just affect you. They affect everybody in your church family. And so when you sin, it hurts the church. When you do well, it helps the church. And Paul said, we have to understand that the whole law is fulfilled in this one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do right because it helps your neighbor do right. Not just because of you. Paul sees the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Not only as affecting the individual, but really how it affects the whole church. There's a Bible scholar named Francis Taylor Ginch. And he said this, quote, in the catalog of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, another aspect of the Christian life comes to the fore. Christian existence is essentially corporate in character. To Paul's way of thinking, there is no such thing as a freelance Christian. To be a Christian is to be incorporated into a community of faith. So what I do, how I live, the decisions I make, the things that I do in my life, I have to understand that it in some way or another always affects my church family. And Paul said, we have to understand the whole law comes down to this. Love your neighbor as yourself. I need to love my church family enough to choose the fruit of the Spirit over the works of the flesh. Amen. Another scholar, J. Lewis Martin, said that Paul, quote, Paul transforms what had traditionally been a form of moral discourse, vices and virtues, good and bad, lists of things that were, to, that were attributed to individuals, and he turns them into marks left on communities it's not just a list of right and wrong, but it becomes a mark on the community. It becomes a representation of the church. What I do out there becomes a representation of everybody in here. And so what Paul is trying to get him to do, see, we all, I always just read these are the works of the flesh, these are the fruit of the Spirit. I don't need these, I do need those. 
Paul said, not only do you need these and you need to not do those, you need to understand that what you choose becomes a church-wide issue because it's part of how I love my neighbor. Amen. That's why we have to understand context because it's important to understand what Paul's thinking here. He's trying to get the Galatians to understand you can keep fussing and fighting. You can keep warring with each other. You can keep, you can keep doing all this. He said, but you have to understand that when you do, it's really affecting the whole church. And so you have to get it in order. Praise God. It sure is quiet. I didn't think y'all were guilty of that. Maybe I was wrong. I'm not only responsible for myself, but I'm responsible for how my actions affect the church as a whole. So as we go forward in our study, the works of the flesh tonight and the fruit of the spirit over the next, the next couple of weeks that I'm here, we need to remember that all of these things are in the context of how it affects our entire church family. So let's, let's move on. Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Now notice that, that we'll, we'll get into this a little bit next week. But the Bible calls this the works of the flesh. But when it gets to the list of the things we are supposed to do, it calls it the fruit of the spirit. There's a difference between works and fruit. Fruit is a harvest from influence of the Spirit. The works of the flesh are the things that we decide that we're going to do. Choice. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot do the things on this list and be saved. Praise God. You, you see that, man, I... I don't know if, the, if, if, if the, the operator split it there, if the computer did, but nonetheless, it's a perfect place to be split. Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This list will cause people to be lost. Amen. The list is divided into subcategories, four different categories. First, the sins of lust. Second, the sins of religion. Third, the sins of discord. And four, the sins of a lack of self-control. Let's look at these categories. Galatians 5.19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. These four are sins of lust. Adultery, sexual acts between a married person and a person who is not his or her spouse. Amen. Y'all were afraid to say amen because you didn't want to sound guilty. I know. <laughs> what was that, Brother Wilson, you said one time, you told me a joke about a preacher that said, if anybody in this church is committing adultery, I pray that his tongue cleave to the roof of his mouth. <laughs> 
adultery, sexual acts between a married person and a person who is not their spouse. That's, I, think we, I think we're pretty clear on that, aren't we? Secondly, fornication. Now, I will mention that adultery is fornication, but fornication is broader than just adultery. Here's the definition of fornication. It is the Greek word pornea. It's where the word pornography comes from. Fornication is sexual acts, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, intercourse with animals, relatives. The original Greek word pornea is the same where we get the word pornography. The root word comes from a, from a Greek word that means to act the harlot, to indulge in unlawful lust. Not civil law, but biblical law. To do things that are outside the realm of biblical law. To prostitute one body to the lust of another. To give oneself to unlawful sexual interactions. Fornication is sexual acts between people that are unmarried or a married person as well to someone that's not their, their spouse. It takes in a broad range of sexual sins. Uncleanness, the word uncleanness, is impurity physically or morally, lustful, morally, lewd, unclean in thought and life. Adultery and fornication are sins that are committed with the body. Uncleanness is sexual perversion in the mind. You say, well, I don't do it, I just think about it. Well, then that's uncleanness. It's a work of the flesh. Praise God. Boy, this generation we live in in the world today, they don't believe any of this, do they? But the Bible's not going to change just because society gets totally messed up. And so we have to control our thought life. You may not be able to control every thought you have, but you can control how much you dwell on the thoughts you have. If there's situations that you put yourself in where you can't control your thought life, don't put yourself in those situations. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness takes in all areas of immodesty. Indulging of sexually unrestrained thoughts. This includes, this is from the definition of the word, includes reading, watching, listening to materials, or engaging in lustful conversations. The Greek word means anything inward or outward that is contrary to chastity and modesty. It's unbridled lust, promiscuous and unprincipled, in, be, to be promiscuous and unprincipled in sexual matters. Here's the word, shamelessness. Shamelessness. To put it plainly, lasciviousness, are sexual interactions of any kind outside of biblical marriage relationships. Those are the four categories of sexual sins that are the works of the flesh. The second category are sins of religion. Galatians 5 and 20 says idolatry and witchcraft. 
Idolatry is the worship of false gods. It's also avarice or materialism. It's placing things above worship. Anything that diverts worship from God to other activities and passions becomes idolatry. Amen. It doesn't have to be having an idol in the corner of the room that you bow down to. It can be anything that diverts worship from God to other activities and passions is idolatry. Witchcraft is sorcery, magical arts, astrology, spells, incantations. It's a work of the flesh. Those are religious sins. Category three, sins of discord. This is the longest one. Hatred, Galatians 5, 20 and 21. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders. It's the largest category, the works of the flesh. It's significant. Going back to our discussion of the communal aspect of Paul's argument. Paul is saying that it's important that we understand that what we do affects our church body. And so when he gives this list of the works of the flesh, most of the things he talks about are directly related to how people interact with each other. Nine works of the flesh listed that concern our interaction with others. Number one, hatred. That's hostility, opposition, enmity. The word enmity means to be hostile. It's a state of feeling or being actively opposed or hostile to somebody. It is this, this thing with no matter what you do, I don't like you, so I don't like anything you do. You ever know somebody like that? It, they just don't like someone, and so it wouldn't matter if, it was, if they did the greatest thing in the world, they wouldn't be good enough for some people because they're full of hatred. The word variance means a quarrel or contention, a debate, to strife, wrangling. That wrangling means engagement, in a long, complicated dispute or argument. Have you ever known somebody just can't let something go? Man, I must have hit a nerve there. I've been waiting to do good tonight. <laughs> Maybe I just started. Variance, a quarrel, contention, debate, strife, wrangling. That rank, engagement in a long, complicated dispute or argument. Variance, emulations, jealousy, malice, envying, indignation, zeal and ardor in disagreement and arguing. I remember one time I was, I was speaking with a marriage, a couple that were having marriage trouble. And man, they were just, they were just going at it with each other. I'm just sitting there, and in my mind, I'm thinking, God, I don't know what to tell these people. And I finally just looked at them, and I said, if you would give half as much effort in getting along as you do in fighting, you'd be okay with each other. But you try harder to fight than you do get along. I don't know if it helped, but it made me feel better. <laughs> you ever know anyone that had zeal and ardor and disagreement? They, they just enjoyed the argument. Another interesting aspect of the definition for emulations is, is punitive zeal. 
In other words, passion for someone else getting in trouble, getting punished. They want to see somebody suffer. It's not enough just to have the argument in, but they, they need to see that person suffer. And then when they go through something, it's like, good enough for them. I'm glad it happened. That's, that's a work of the flesh. Oh, God, we may need a good repentance service when this is over. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We shouldn't get joy out of other people's suffering, whether they're right or wrong. Because all these things, Paul says, it's not just something that affects me, but it affects the body as well. Wrath. Wrath is, it, it, one of the words is, is heat. It's anger that bo is boiling up. A fit of rage or losing temper and raging. Man, oh man. Woo. It's going to be a lot sweeter on the fruit of the Spirit. I'm just, fruit's sweet. Can I ask you a favor? Don't give yourself permission to live lower than what the Bible asks of you. I've heard people say when they, 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 they get, they, they let anger just, and they say stuff to somebody, pop off. They just, and then they say stuff like, well, that's just how I am. You know how I am. Well, that's not how we're supposed to be. We've got the Holy Ghost. Now, I understand nobody's perfect and we all have moments, but the truth is that we need to learn self-control. Strife. Intrigue, building factions, contention, and contentiousness. One of the definitions is electioneering for position or authority. It's, it's working your way in for influence. It's a desire to put oneself forward. It's a, it, it, it's, it says a fractitious spirit. This Greek word is found in the... But, is only found in one writing before the New Testament. It was Aristotle. And it denotes a self-seeking self pursuit of power. It's damaging someone else to lift yourself up. It's getting, I remember when, when Ellie, Ellie was in kindergarten and, uh, and there was an incident at school. It was maybe the first or second time she got in trouble. I can't remember. And... Uh, she, uh, she had some spaghetti, and, and one of the little girls ate her spaghetti. And so she went to get more, and, and she didn't get more because they didn't have more. And so, and so it turned into this big deal. And that little girl that ate her spaghetti admitted it later, and, and we've laughed about it. But it, it, out on the playground, they were getting gangs. These girls on this side and these girls on that side. I'm like kindergarten already having seditions. You know, we're having, we're having strife on the, on the playground. And I remember Ellie got, she got a lily pad taken off the board. That's what, I guess that's what they used to do, and it was a sign of being in trouble. And, and she got a lily pad taken off the board for saying a word that's not a curse word, but she's not supposed to say it. And, uh, and uh, I, I, was, I took her hunting with me, Brother Craig, and I was walking after we, we didn't see any deer because she was waving her, her orange out the window to call the deer in. 
I'll look over and I see her out and I'm like, this is a waste of time. We're, she's getting ready to graduate here just in a couple of weeks, so I, you're just going to have to help me, let me go down memory lane for a minute. But we're walking back to the car and I'm holding her hand and I got the flashlight and I said, Ellie, I heard you got in trouble in school. She said, yes, Daddy, I did. I said, what would you do? She said, I said a word I shouldn't say. I said, well, what would you say? Oh, I can't say it. I said, what would you say? She said, I said the K word. I was trying to figure that one out. If it was kiss, I was going to have a problem. I told her, I said, Ellie, baby, we're not ready. I said, why would you say that? And she said, she said one of the little kids, she said, he said it, and when he, I wanted to say it so bad I couldn't stand it, and so I said it. And I said, Ellie, we're raising you to be a leader, not a follower. She said, Daddy, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, that's when, I, that's when I realized I'm not dad of the year. But, you know, factions over spaghetti. Some people just like fighting. But it's a work of the flesh. And they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Damaging someone else to lift yourself up. Seditions is disunion or dissension, division. Conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against spiritual authority. Heresies, a choice to become a party to disunion based on false doctrine. Its original meaning refers to the act of taking or capturing or storming a city. It's when a false doctrine gets loose in people and they start to spread this doctrine. Heresies, as used here, refers to trying to convince people to adopt a false pretense, a false vision of Scripture. In Galatians, it was the group promoting adopting Judas, Judaizing, adopting the, the, the Jews' methods and, and rituals for people that were Gentiles, causing division based on this doctrine and trying to split the church along those lines, heresies. Envyings. Envyings is jealousy. Ill will based on the feeling that someone else has a position or rank or commendation. Wanting what someone else has. And then finally, murders, to slay or to slaughter. Unbridled flesh destroys. Those are sins of division or discord. The last category, somebody say praise the Lord. Sins of self-control. Galatians 5.21 talks about drunkenness and revelings. The word drunkenness, it means intoxication. The Greek word is the word methe, M-E-T-H-E. Found that's interesting because the drug of choice in our part of the world is, sounds the same. Intoxication. Drunkenness is not only intoxication by alcohol, but any intoxicant. Praise God. Drug abuse is drunkenness. It's a work of the flesh. Any kind of intoxication falls under the, the definition of drunkenness. 
And then revelings is carousal, rioting, carrying on without discipline, just, just going crazy, a lack of self-control. And notice Galatians 5.21 again. It, it, it ends this list, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings. And then it says this phrase, and such like, and such like. Paul was smart enough to know and inspired by the Holy Ghost to know of humanity's ability to invent and distort, to invent sins. I doubt Paul ever had any idea people would use battery acid to make a drug. And if he had to make a list of everything, we would never get done with this Bible study. It feels like we're not going to anyway. So he says, and such like, because God is well aware of the human tendency to look for loopholes. If something is not specifically named, then it must be okay. But Paul says, no, such like, things that that fall in the same category, that affect the same way. How much space would it have taken for Paul to write every sin that mankind has thought of since then? So Paul makes this argument on principles and such like. Things that come from similar desires, things that have similar motives, and things that bring similar outcomes all fall under the works of the flesh. And then he says, of the which I tell you before, as I also have also told you in time past. He said, I'm not preaching something new to you. I've already preached this before. He said, I've told you before. I'll tell you again that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, these are salvation issues. The individuals that participate in these activities are not going to be saved. And they'll damage their church. They're detrimental to the purpose and the mission of the church. And so Paul says, don't only think about these things in the way they affect you, but think of the way they affect everybody. The works of the flesh. God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to help us. Lord, to search the scripture, to search this list, to search our heart. Lord, we know that not any of us are perfect. God, we all know that we struggle sometimes with the flesh. There's times when our flesh has more control than it ought to. But God, I pray that through this Bible study that you help shine a light on our heart and help us to become more determined, to be more disciplined, to control the, 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 the desires of our heart and the thoughts of our mind, and God, to keep ourselves focused and directed towards you. But God, we cannot win this battle in the flesh. The only way we can win this battle is through the Spirit. So God, I ask you to pour your Spirit into our hearts. Let us be led and guided guided by the Spirit. Help us, God, 
to be convicted by the Spirit. Help us, Lord Jesus, to look at our lives and to ask you every day, God, not to wait for Wednesday and Sunday to ask you, but God, to wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, I need the Holy Ghost to help me today, to keep my flesh in the control, to keep my flesh, God, in, in subject to the Spirit. I don't want to become a casualty to the works of the flesh, and I don't want my life to negatively affect my neighbor. And so, God, I pray that you help us, Lord Jesus, to be full of the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. We're going to take a two-week break from the fruit of the Spirit. We'll get back to it a little bit later. Lord, I ask you, Jesus, to bless your people. I ask you, God, between now and Sunday that you pour blessings on them, to keep them, to protect them, to place your hand on them. Bless our moms and dads. Bless our children and our grandchildren. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.